Hey, I'm Gretchen Bridgers of the Always a Lessons Empowering Educators podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, are you working with kids, you know, family members, colleagues whose feelings are just you know, got them down or, you know, they're, they're just confused by them or they're, they're not really understanding what they're feeling. Well, the, the Feeling Alphabet Activity Set by Edward K.S. Wang and Karen Gross is a resource to help students, families, teachers, and community members identify their feelings. If you cannot name feelings, then you cannot tame them. Learn more at KarenGrossEducation.com. Look under the book tab and find the Feeling Alphabet Activity Set. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Danny Kofke, who's the author of five books on better finances and a veteran special education teacher. Today we are focused on his latest book, Can I Borrow $400? How to Never Have to Ask This Question Again. I love this title. Win the Game of Financial Freedom. Awesome book. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. And oh, by the way, talking about subscribing and sharing, you know, it'd be great. Why don't you reach out to that? I don't know that uh, your high school friend from long ago and say, hey, take a check out Steve's uh, podcast. Or how about how about your college roommate or or maybe the the teacher who works two doors down from you or maybe that uh, other person in the district office or that other principal. Hey, just uh Go ahead, reach out and say, hey, have you listened to Steve's podcast called Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12? Hmm? <laughs> Thanks. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. Now here's Steve with this week's show. Danny Kofke is a special education teacher in Barrow County, Georgia. He has been a teacher for 17 years and has also taught pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and sixth grade. His love of teaching and personal finance led him to write five personal finance books, including, including the recently released, Can I Borrow $400? How to Never Have to Ask This Question Again, Win the Game of Financial Freedom, just published in April 2020. Also by Danny, he's written The Wealthy Teacher, Lessons for Prospering on a School Teacher's Salary from January 2018, a Bright Financial Future, Teaching Kids About Money, Pre-K Through College for Lifelong Success from September 2014, The Financial Angel, What All Kids Ages 4 Through 11 Should Know About Money by his daughter, Ava Kofke, which, by the way, long time ago, I interviewed her and she was like going into sixth grade. So <laughs> very cool when she wrote that book. They... Uh, and uh, we also have uh, a simple book of financial wisdom, Teach Yourself and Your Kids How to Live Wealthy with Little Money from September 2011, and one of the best titles ever, How to Survive and Perhaps Thrive on a Teacher's Salary from October 2007. So a lot of great uh, financial information here for teachers. Danny's everyday approach to handling money has led him to be interviewed on numerous television shows, including Fox and Friends the CBS Early Show, CNN's Newsroom, The 700 Club, and The Clark Howard Show. He has also been interviewed on over 600 radio shows and featured in a number of publications, including USA Today, Instructor Magazine, Yahoo.com, The Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, and The Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He wants to show others if this school teacher can do well financially, they can too. So Danny, welcome back, and thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hey, hey, Steve. Thanks so much for having me back on. Long time. 
has been a long time and I'm glad you're here with us again because this is this is really cool and I uh, got another book going and and uh, just yeah. so many cool things happening in your world so uh, um, but thanks for being back and uh, and it, by the way that was cool so I it's been a while because you were back like on episode 36 or 39 or something like that and Ava was like in the sixth you know like episode 63 or something like that so that's about six years ago it's five years ago yeah crazy yeah and Ava now I mean she just graduated 10th grade and I mean on just turned 16 yesterday so uh good times driving days yikes (laughs) (laughs) nice nice so uh so Danny before we talk about your latest book and it's called can I borrow four (laughs) hundred dollars Can I just stop right there? Can I borrow $400? Never mind. Can I borrow, you know, before COVID maybe, but. (laughs) Can I borrow $400? How to never have to ask this question again when they gave a financial freedom. You know, you've been a teacher for over 17 years. What do you like best about working with kids? You know, and I think it's just kind of going back to why most teachers got into the profession. And, you know, we can lose track of that pretty easily with uh, all the accountability now that we have with testing and those types of things. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of how kids, what, what we can do to inspire them. And uh, I was reminded of that a couple of weeks ago. So I teach now um, a special education classroom, uh, actually profound. So most of my students have IQs under 20. So no talking, wheelchairs, tube fed. And uh, we decided to do a home visit since we've been out of school for so long. And it was kind of the end of the year celebration. So we went to each of the students' houses, delivered pizza, balloons, those types of things. And uh, one of my students, which you know, I hadn't seen him in two months, and I'm thinking, oh, does he even know who I am? He kind of just looked at me for a minute and then he just came up and gave me just like this great big hug. Like he remembered who I was. So I think little things like that are great reminders and why we became teachers. Most of us didn't do it for the money. And if you did, a college professor lied to you, right? Um, <laughs> but, but it is, you know, it, it's just making an impact, a positive impact on the world and, and just hopefully inspiring students and, and giving it your all so that they give their all as well. Excellent. And, and I, I love that. That it really had to be a neat moment for you when uh, yes. you knew all is well here. So, yes. <laughs> so, so if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice in your first year of teaching, you know, just you kind of go back in time, be able to whisper in your ear and say, what would, it, what, what would you tell yourself about teaching? I mean, the days are long, but the years are short. I mean, it is such, there's some days you're just like, oh, how am I going to do this? But, you know, I blink and here I am now. I'm, I'm one of the older ones at the school, whereas I'm, I still consider myself young, but, you know, it just goes by so fast. And I, I would think, kind of just keep your eye on what drove you into teaching in the first place. And once again, I mean, it's so easy to lose track of that. And even I've been, you know, I've been in it 19 years and, and, you know, I know other people have been in longer than I have, but the, the accountability now, and I think it is a lot more than when I even started. And unfortunately, it seems like more and more students are coming in with problems that are, are kind of out of our hands as teachers. So I think just kind of foster why, why did you become a teacher in the first place? And once again, most of us, we didn't do it for the money and you can't complain. I mean, money isn't horrible, 
when you get into teaching, but that isn't the primary reason most people got into the profession. So I think try to kind of have that and maybe even write it on your desk, whatever it may take, because those there's going to be some really tough days. You're going to have parents that yell at you. So I mean, it is what it is. You can do the best that you can, and it's not always enough for someone. So you just kind of have to keep your 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 eyes on the, the big prize of why you did it in the first place. And, you know, when you know that you are making a positive impact, that's why most of us did it. So look for those things during the day. You know, I did this today. I taught this child how to read. I, I helped this student, whatever it may be, just for those little motivational boosts. Because, you know, I've left teaching and been in the private world. And in the private world, if you do well, you get a raise. In teaching, you don't. Um, you know, you could have a teacher down the hall from you that has more experience and do a horrible job and do a lot less teaching than you do and they're getting paid more so that can be kind of hard sometimes and that's why we just do have to as teachers keep our eyes on okay well, what's really important and why did we become teachers in the first place much easier said than done but um but that's kind of something that I would tell myself just keep that reminder in my head of why I chose this profession I love that because that's you know you definitely need that uh, especially on those special days where uh nothing goes right. You know, being a former high school history teacher, you know, there's, there's some days that are just magical and they got everything happening and everything's working great. And then there's other days where you're like, okay, so by class three, I, my, the material's not working and you know it, and you got to make all these adjustments. And then, uh, and then suddenly you have three parent meetings that you didn't know you were going to have that, uh, and you're wondering, what are these going to be about? <laughs> what did I do wrong? I got all of a sudden these phone calls from people that don't always call me. And, and, uh, and then uh, the principal is uh, stopped by and said, Hey, I need to see you by the way. And, you know, ah! <laughs> exactly. yes. Exactly. Great, great advice, though. There will be better days. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep swimming. <laughs> keep swimming. I love it. Love it. The, uh, I, speaking of loving, I love the title of your book, Can I Borrow $400? How to Never Have to Ask This Question Again. What inspired you to write this book? Well, it's kind of interesting because this book, it was kind of written before the whole COVID experience happened. So, you know, we kind of added a little bit to it, the publisher and I, when that happened, just, it just so happened the timing, it was going to come out right when uh, COVID kind of got big. So there was a study done by the Federal Reserve, and it shows that only 60% of Americans could afford an unexpected $400, $400 expense. So that's kind of where the title came in, can I borrow $400? So it's one of those things that I just want people to have that reserve in place. And now I think, you know, with what most of us are experiencing, and uh, fortunately for me as a teacher, I haven't lost any income yet, but you know, who knows, there could be furlough days down the road, I wouldn't be surprised. So I think it's just now more than ever, I think we realize the importance that we just can't keep living paycheck to paycheck and just thinking, okay, this income's going to come in because I mean, you can have a bat in a place that none of us had ever heard of have this huge effect on our finances. So there are so many things that we cannot control in life. So to me, it's one of those things you can control having an emergency fund and paying off your debt and those types of things. So that was kind of the, the, the title part was just, you know, kind of a catchy title. But, um, you know, it is kind of actually a sad statistic that, you know, most people or almost half the people could not come up with $400. So we definitely have to kind of get serious about that and just kind of have that emergency fund and have that financial margin in place for when things happen. Very cool. And it's, it, that is a sad statistic because lo and behold, those are the types of things that suddenly happen. One day you're good and the next day you got, for some reason, three new tires you got to buy. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, and so then you just 
get the fourth one. Hope you get a good deal, right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I got to make sure that I say here is this, is that your book has so much awesome information in it. And that's just in the very beginning of the book. You have a section called author's note. And what's funny now, I got to admit this as a kid, I'd skip over author's note. I'd skip over preface. I'd skip over anything that be, that starts before page one. Once page one hits, then I'm good, right? As an adult, I've learned, read all that stuff because there's always all kinds of cool stuff. And in your, your case, you've got, a, you've got an author's note section and you've got a preface. You know, you've got all this stuff going on and they got to make sure they read it. And, you know, wanna, I want to point this out because, you know, in the beginning of your book, the section called author's note, you talk a little about the impact of the pandemic. And in this section, you have a, a segment called what finances to focus on during a crisis. Could you share just a little bit from this? Sure. And this may not be, you know, I know I'm assuming, you know, most of your target audience is probably educators. So once again, most of us haven't been financially affected, you know, greatly because most of us are still getting that paycheck. But there are some out there that have been, you know, completely wiped out by this. And, and you know, it's easy to kind of follow a financial plan when you have income coming in. But when that stops or if your spouse has lost their job, there are some things that we really need to focus on. And we kind of go back to when we were like in third grade and we talked talked about our basic needs and wants, and we have to focus on those needs. And first off, you know, if money's tight, we need to focus on our housing and utilities first. We have to have a place to live, and we want, especially now here in, in Georgia in the summer, we want some AC going when it gets hot out. So those are that, that's one thing to focus on, the housing and utilities. The next thing, another one of our needs is food. Um, need to focus on that. Transportation as well. And then finally, health insurance. Um, those are just things a lot of times credit card companies, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So those unsecured debts, credit card companies, they'll call you and harass you. And we tend sometimes to focus on those bills before the more important things. And I'm not saying you should always neglect kept credit card bills. I mean, we definitely, you owe the debt, you want to pay it off, you're paying interest on it. But this section was kind of for when times are tough. And unfortunately, so many, when you look at job reports and the, you know how, how tough it is right now for a lot of people, if you do find yourself in a situation where you're lacking some income and you cannot pay all your bills, you need to prioritize what to focus on first and don't just go with who's hollering the loudest. We need to kind of prioritize and do what's most important for us right now. And then when we get our head back above water, things get somewhat back to our new normal, then we can focus on those other debts that we owe. It's such powerful advice because too often people just kind of forget about that. And we're, I, I'm not going to skip, you know, not going to go straight to some of the thunder that's coming because there's some great advice you got coming that really fits with that as people kind of lose sight of what they're, you know, what they really should be focused on, what they should be buying or not buying um, during those times that are, un, you know, like, like we're in now that uh, might have a lot of scary uh, thoughts about, uh, you know, what tomorrow will bring. So, you know, good stuff. And I love the fact that that's all right there in the beginning. And I mean, just read that author's note and you start getting a good feel for um, maybe making that checklist and have I done these things? Yeah. Sure. And I will say too, adding, since we're kind of talking a little bit about um, currently, you know, a lot of people are, you know, we think, oh, this is a tough time. But during the last uh, great recession, 08, 09, 2010, I mean, there were some great companies like Uber was started. Groupon. There were some great companies that were actually started. So I will say this too, if you are someone that maybe has something on the side that you thought, oh, I'd love to do this, now be maybe the great time 
to even start it. Maybe you have a little more free time on your hand and just kind of see what happens. So I think, you know, for me, I like to take a more positive approach. And I kind of feel that when we get through this, I hope and I'm feeling our, our country is going to be a little bit stronger. And, and, you know, my goal is people remember this time if they are struggling and never allow themselves to be in it again. But secondly, I think, you know, it could be a good time if you do have something, a side gig, it may be able to grow a little bit. Excellent thoughts right there. Cause it's the, the positiveness. And I guess I'm for one, I'm, I'm a big believer in Uber. Oh my gosh, man. Right. Or Lyft, whichever one you want to talk about. I've used Uber more and uh, I'm sold on that. So if that spark of, you know, creativity came out of the, the recession, then who, all right, where's the next one coming from? Cause it's, it's right. time now, man, you got time to think about it. So yes, yes. good stuff. Uh, you know, Danny, chapter one is titled, why do we have debt? Let's go into this just a little bit. Because that is where people get trapped. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and, you know, it is kind of scary. And I may kind of list some statistics in there. But as of December 2019, the average revolving credit card debt in America was over $7,000. Average mortgage debt was over $190,000. Average student loan debt was almost $47,000. So we kind of are a country that likes debt. We're kind of built on it. Uh, we're enticed to do it. When we look at the national government, I mean, I don't even know. I think, uh, you know, who knows now what the national deficit is. It was above $23 trillion a few months ago, so it's, I'm sure it's only going up. So I think a lot of us get tricked into that. We think, okay, we have to have debt in order to be successful in life. We have to have student loans. We have to have a mortgage. We have to have a car payment, and those aren't true. For most of us, yes. I mean, we, a lot of us don't have $150,000 sitting around to buy a house. So, yes, a mortgage debt can be, you know, a good debt to take on. But, you know, you don't have to have student loan debt. You could work during college. You could go to a, a, a less expensive university. So I just kind of think that for so long, many of us have just kind of taken it that, oh, yeah, I'm always going to have a car payment. Or I'm always going to have this. And it, it doesn't have to be that way. We look around and, and society teaches us that. So we kind of just fall in line with that. So I kind of just pointed out some things in that of you know why we do have debt. And we're kind of, uh, you know, a lot of times we get suckered into ads too. And, you know, unfortunately, many of us are not satisfied in our jobs. In fact, there was a study done that shows that 70% of, of Americans don't feel happy with their jobs. So you know, it's very easy to go buy something to mask that unhappiness. And a lot of times, the, the things that we buy, we put it on a credit card to buy it. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a kind of vicious cycle that we can get ourselves into. Totally understandable. And uh, especially if you get that, if you uh, help, you know, get rid of that uh, bad feeling you have about uh, whatever by buying, you know, oh, I don't know, the latest, greatest four by four um, super truck or uh, the latest, uh, you know, play on the lake equipment or, uh, <laughs> or, you know, my personal favorite, um, something above 75 inch screen TV. So maybe, you know, anything. <laughs> sure. 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 And it does. I mean, you know, in our, in, we have a new car smell fragrance, right? That you can spray in your car to kind of think, and that may be a good idea instead of buying a new car, but, uh, like <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, many of us, I mean, you've probably done it. I have, you look in your closet and you say, I have nothing to wear yet. There's 50 outfits in there that you bought at one time. So it just kind of shows that, you know, the feeling of newness goes away. So we feel good when we buy something at first, you kind of get a rush and like, okay, it feels good. But if you're basing your sense of satisfaction and happiness on an item or an object, 
gosh, it's just, it's going to get old and then you have to buy something new. And then that gets old and you have to buy something new and it just continues on and on and on. And then pretty soon, like you mentioned, it, clothing doesn't do it. So then you got to buy jewelry and that doesn't do it. So then you buy an automobile or furniture or whatever it may be. So I think that's kind of too what we have to recognize as a society is that unfortunately, once again, a lot of people are not satisfied in their daily lives. So they mask it with something. Some people choose drugs, unfortunately. Other people choose buying things. So I think that's an important thing to recognize if you are overspending, kind of get to the root of, okay, why am I doing this? And I'm not saying don't ever go and enjoy yourself. And it's, you know, you can buy stuff every now and again. That's not a bad thing. But it's just if you're doing it all the time because there's some underlying issue that you have, we have to recognize that first in order to kind of solve the problem of overspending or whatever else it may be. Gotcha. That, you, you know, your, your book is chock full of great advice and thoughts and, and uh, a little bit of, you know, take a look at yourself in the mirror type thing as you're reading the book and say, is this specifically speaking to me? <laughs> and uh, um, throughout your book, you have questions at the end of the chapters called wealthy life questions. I love these. And an example, a couple examples. Uh, one asks you, do you have money you do not already have? Um, the, uh, and what is an example of good debt and bad debt? And here's another one. How much money do you need in uh, savings to cover three months of living expenses to help you avoid future debt? Why'd you include these? Oh, I'm a teacher. Got to right? <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of looked at it like, you know, and I, I don't want my book to be like a textbook because unfortunately sometimes textbooks can be you know, a little boring to read, but I want people to kind of think about it, not just read the information and just forget about it. But if you kind of have, for most of us, if you have to answer a question, you have to reflect on what you read. And for me, hopefully, if you pause and you take time to answer the question for yourself, then the information that is given will hopefully stick with you a little bit longer and then encourage you to take action. Because that's the most important thing with this type of book, any self-help type of book, it's to take action. So it's good to read it, but you also have to, to actually perform some of the things that I've asked you to do or, or to think about in order to have that financial success. Excellent. Well, it's, it's a great tool because it, it makes you reflect back on what you just talked about in the chapter. And I love it. And your questions aren't it, like a good teacher. It's not just one question. It's usually a question with subparts to each question. So <laughs> you, you start off and you trick them. You start off with the, I'm going to give you the softball one here. And then later it gets more intricate. So I like that. <laughs> what, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really cool that you do is you take the time to explain credit scores. Right. Awesome. <laughs> you know, could you talk uh, you know, some about why a consumer should understand their score? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm not one that focuses a lot on credit scores just because when you look at how a credit score is broken down, a lot of it is outstanding debt. Um, most people, you know, that, that's kind of the way when you look at the breakdown of it. But especially for people beginning out, the higher the credit score, then you're going to be able to take advantage of lower interest rates on things like automobile loans, which I hope you don't take a car loan, but most of us probably will, or your mortgage loan, insurance rates, things like that. So it's important to have a strong credit score because it affects all avenues of your financial life. And you know, obviously, if you have a lower interest rate, then you're paying more on the principal, and then that debt will be paid off sooner. So that's kind of you know, where I want people to focus at. I'm not, you know, there's some, some people out there, some books out there that are just primarily, okay, build your credit score. I'm really not in that avenue. If you make sound financial decisions, like for me, I've just paid my bills on time 
and my credit score is above 800. I haven't tried to use some unique method to do so, but I just wanted to point out, especially for people just starting off their career, that credit scores are important because of those, the interest rates that you're going to be offered by having a strong one. And you know, if you, if you miss a couple payments, it's really gonna hurt you. It's gonna ding you, not only in added interest that you would pay on the missed payment, but also in the credit score decrease, which will increase an in interest rate, and then you're gonna be paying more on that. So it's just you know one of those things to kind of understand and once again I'm not saying you have to kind of just go out with a game plan of trying to to raise a credit score for a lot of people just naturally over time if you just pay your bills every month it'll keep increasing and at the point where you'll have excellent credit that's excellent and, and you know you, you get into uh, it, it's really cool because you do get into details about it which most people have probably never even thought about and you know uh, many times they might see those commercials on TV about credit scores. They kind of laugh it off or whatever, but uh, it is good to know that information. Yes. <laughs> the, you know, it's uh, um, that that was me clearing my throat right there. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, throughout Danny, throughout your book, you have quotations to start the chapter. And one of my favorites is one from the opening of chapter five. Chapter five is titled Debt Freedom March. And this one is from this awesome bard named Will Rogers. And it goes like this. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. <laughs> Very nice Will Rogers statement here. Sure. Could you talk about what, he's, what he is talking about and how it fits with the book? Sure. I mean, I think that kind of sums it up, right? Um, yes. A lot of people go into debt. I mean, you think about it. Some of us will buy the fanciest sports car to, to, so when the guy pulls up next to us at the red light, he'll be impressed, kind of nod and smile. We may never see that person again the rest of our lives. So, what? what? Yeah, yeah, you know, so for five seconds of, you know, having someone admire our car, we're in debt. So I think, you know, it just kind of was a humorous quote to kind of sum it up. But unfortunately, that's kind of the lines that a lot of people think that we do these things. And it may not just be the guy pulling up next to you, but it could be your neighbor, your friend, your brother-in-law, whoever it may be. But a lot of times, most of us buy something to try to impress others. And that's kind of, especially it seems like with adults, it's what social media is about. I mean, you very rarely see someone post on social media, <laughs> gosh, I had a horrible day, my kids are acting up. And no, it's always the perfect family vacation picture at the beach or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, it's just kind of a quote to remind us that, you know what, I mean, we can all point out the highlights of our lives, but most of us, we have dips in our lives. So I think it's just important to realize that, you know, it's not, we, we should try to do what is right for ourselves and our families and not what's right for the neighbor, not what's right for the family member, do what's right for you. And that's kind of with Tracy and I, my wife, we've, we've done that for many years. We just kind of focused on what is right for our family at first. It was living in a smaller two-bedroom home so she could be able to stay home and raise our girls. That wouldn't have worked for everyone, and that's fine. And that's why I try to say if, if you're not someone that wants to be a stay-at-home mom or you're not someone that wants to drive a minivan, that's okay. I mean, that's but you have to do what's right for you. And I think for many of us, we try to do what people, we think people will be impressed by and not necessarily what we know is right for our family. Excellent. And I, I think it's so right on the money. It's such a fitting choice because it is so much there. I mean, and I love the idea that, you know, you, you look at Instagram and you don't really have a whole lot of people showing off their, their minivan with the, uh, you know, with 15 kids crowded into it and all the groceries and all that sort of stuff. Instead, you know, they're, they're talking about 
their Lamborghini or something like this. It's like, yeah, okay. Not my, <laughs> not my place. And uh, right. they're, they're not sitting out in the front yard with a plastic swimming pool. They're down in the <laughs> Caribbean, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so you know, chapter eight is called speed up your debt freedom March. Could you share what you're talking about and a couple of the ways that the process can be sped up? Because I, I love this whole concept about that. You talk about this debt freedom March and, uh, uh, you know, trying to get away from that debt. And I just wondering if you could share a few of those, those details that you get into that might speed this process up. Sure. I mean, one of the easiest ways is to reduce interest rates on any debt that you have. And, and right now, it's a great time. Look at those credit cards. If you're paying 18 to 24% annual, you know, APR, annual percent rate on your credit card, transfer it over to a 0% card. A lot of cards will do that for 12, 18 months that you're going to pay 0% on that debt. Read the fine print just to make sure you know what you're getting into, but it's a great way. Instead of paying high interest, you can pay low interest or no interest, and then it goes towards the principal to get rid of it. Um, another one I list too, and this, you know, for teachers, it's kind of tough, get a raise, um, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, next year, I don't think many of us are going to be getting a raise no matter uh, <laughs> no. what Governor Kemp had said earlier. I, I'm not feeling it. But, you know, maybe here is where instead of getting a raise, that's where I talked about earlier, maybe start a little side gig. I don't know. Um, Right now, there's plenty of parents, they're valuing teachers. They realize how tough it is. So I'm, I'm imagining the tutoring business could uh, kind of take a boom in the fall if, if jobs start coming back. So just you know, think outside the box a little bit. Um, and you know, uh, another way too, and this is probably something that anyone can do right now, is when you find more money from budgeting better. Um, you know, there, there are two ways to make more money. You either get a higher paying job or a second job, or you cut back what you're spending money on getting another job that requires someone else to hire you. Cutting what you're spending money on, it just requires yourself and some discipline. So what I encourage, and I think even right now, it's a great time, even before COVID hit, it was a good time, analyze your budget. And you know what I did when Tracy and I got married, we walked around with a piece of paper for one month, piece of paper and a pencil, and we wrote down everything we spent. This was before there were smartphones, and imagine that, there was life before the iPhone. We actually oh did it, we lived. But, um, <laughs> But we wrote down everything we bought. And then at the end of the month, we analyzed it and we made it personal. That's why it's called personal finance. You have to make it personal. I could give general tips, but not everyone goes to Starbucks. Not everyone goes to the movies. But when you write down and track your own spending, you can see exactly what your money is being spent on and then cut back on those things that you don't need. And if you don't know, it's hard to cut it out. So that probably is, is something I would encourage anyone to do is just track that spending and see where your money's going and see if there's anything that you can eliminate. And then, you know, kind of another one too, and this may kind of, if we're talking to teachers in the fall, you can work and, you know, I say work overtime for other employees, but for teachers, there are opportunities. If you work the after school program, if you do some tutoring, if you work in this summer, I don't know, in some areas, I know summer camps are opening, some they're not, but just, you know, right now is kind of not normal times for some of these because the job industries right now, we're kind of on pause for many of them. But when we get back to normal, there, there are opportunities that you can, you know, look at. And even as teachers, once again, tutoring is probably a big one that you can add a little income to, uh, to what you have coming in. Excellent advice. And I, the book is amazing, Danny. I mean, can I borrow $400? How to never have to ask this question again, when the game of financial freedom is just, just chock full of advice. And, uh, um, and before we get moving on here, um, if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Yeah, if you go to my website, so it's uh, www.wealthyteacher.com 
www.weebly.com. So wealthyteacher.weebly.com. And there's actually all the stuff that I've been on TV and those types of things. There's actually a contact form on there as well. And I'll have a free ebook. It's titled uh, Save Over $30,000 This Year, 145 Ways to Save Money. Now, you might not be able to use every single tip and you probably won't, but there's tips in there that you can kind of utilize to help you save money, to help you speed up that debt freedom march and kind of you know, get out of debt faster, or if you need to boost that emergency fund, do that. So it's probably the easiest way, or if you just even Google search my name, so Danny Kofke, D-A-N-N-Y-K-O-F as in Frank, K-E, you can kind of get in touch with me that way as well. Awesome, awesome. And, and, and I gotta tell you guys, you wanna do that, you get, he's got great advice and you want to take a look at all his books, which, uh, which are really cool. So, uh, Danny, before we leave, I got two more questions, which, uh, just questions I like to ask. So the first one goes like this. If you had the chance to talk with an audience of 100 brand new teachers, what is something that you would want to them to think about as they were leaving the auditorium? Sure. Um, you know, and I kind of mentioned it earlier about, you know, what, what I would tell myself is kind of don't lose sight uh, of why you got into teaching. But kind of since we're talking about finances, too, I'm going to say, especially for, for most of us teachers here in Georgia, for sure, go ahead and start right when you get in to invest for retirement. And the way pension systems are set up in most states, if a teacher, if you just start off by investing, it can be as little as $100 a month, which in a 403B, which is what teachers usually invest in, payroll deduction, you're probably only going to miss about 20 or about $75 a month because most are in about 25% tax bracket. So doing that will ensure that your retirement will be all that it wants to be. I mean, here in Georgia, we have a great teacher retirement system that, you know, if you stick with it 30 years and you did what I just said between that and if you're in a county that does do Social Security, you'll probably make more in retirement than when you were teaching the way it's set up. So uh, that is one thing for new teachers. I know sometimes it seems so long and you're like, oh, I'm just worried about setting up my classroom and getting through the first week of school and I'm not worried about 30 years down the road. But it goes fast. You and I can both attest to that. We, we think, oh, it's going to be so long. But gosh, it, it's here before you know it. So take that time to invest in yourself. Most of us are very giving people. And that's why we chose teaching as a profession. But go ahead and set it up automatically that you're investing in yourself from the get-go. And then you won't find yourself missing that money because you never got used to it in the first place. But then also you're, you're ensuring that your future is going to be secure as well. Love that advice. Love it. You know, it's, uh, it's funny. Uh... I'll never forget my first teaching job. I was uh, hired and sitting in a big room with a bunch of new hires and we were filling out forms, all these forms, forms, forms. Oh my gosh, forms. And uh, the financial forms, I didn't know what to put on certain things. The tax forms, somebody else, I looked over at the person sitting next to me. I said, what do you think about this? And he said, I do this, that, and the other. I ended up owing Uncle Sam a lot of money at the end of that year. Thanks to listening to the guy next to me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have, uh, some thoughts about that going into those form filling out sessions too. So yes. And we don't learn it in college, unfortunately. So it's kind of a hard thing. So it, it's very confusing. And it, but, but that is one thing you'll never regret is just signing up to automatically have it taken out right when you get started and then to ensure your, your retirement. Awesome. Awesome advice. Last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Yeah, first off, um, it was uh, my ninth grade civics teacher, Mr. Stusky, and I would say, oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, he was my favorite teacher ever. And after, you know, most of us don't know what we want to be growing up, but after having him, 
I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And it's, you know, it's kind of interesting the way life happens is uh, I played uh, high school and junior college baseball. So I'm like, I'm going to be a high school history teacher and I'm going to coach baseball. And, you know, here we are 19 years later. I've never done either, but I'm still a teacher. Uh, you know, nice. life kind of, you know, we, we, uh, we plan and God kind of laughs at us. But, um, but, you know, in his class, like I learned, he had this motto, stand and deliver. So anytime that we had something to say, he would make us stand by our, stand up at next to our desk and speak. Like, you know, as a ninth grader, what, 14, 13 year old thinking, ah, oh, this is so stupid. What is he doing? But, you know, little did I know at that time, he was giving me the confidence and the rest of the students, the confidence to kind of stand and deliver a message. And I had no clue where life was going, you know, at that time. But now because of writing some books, I've had chances of doing presentations. And actually a few months ago, I was in front of at Harris County, Georgia, um, their entire school district, about six, 700 people in an auditorium. And I did a 30 minute presentation wasn't nervous at all. And public speaking is, you know, the number one fear for a lot of people. And I don't even think twice about it. It doesn't intimidate me. I, I don't get fearful. And I, I kind of look back now to Mr. Subsky in ninth grade, kind of instilling me standing up at my desk to speak. And I can go back to then of those, th that is what he instilled in me of, you know, it's okay, speak your mind, you know what you're talking about. And, you know, once again, little did I know where that would lead, how it would lead to, but here I am now, whatever, 30 years later, and, and still using those skills that he taught me. So even though I never coached baseball yet or, or haven't taught high school history, um, still using those lessons that, that my favorite teacher instilled in me. That is awesome. I love that. And uh, it is funny that those two basic plans there didn't happen, but uh, everything else did. So good, <laughs> good stuff. Well, Danny, thank you so much for talking with me today. I, I love your book. Can I borrow $400? How to never have to ask this question again, win the game of financial freedom. You know, it's just awesome advice that everyone could use a huge substantial dose of, you know, this is, should be required reading for everybody, you know, keep up the great work and I'm wishing you the best in all that you do. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. <laughs>expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.